Welcome to the Senior Story Hour, where we share poems, stories, observations of life, written by the Franklin Senior Center Writers Group. This is Steve Sherlock here in the Franklin TV studios with our next month's recording session, and this will be on the air during December. Yay, us. Yay, us. So we'll have some Christmas spirit, maybe some holiday spirit, maybe some winter things, um, times of, you know, there's times of darkness at this point, but we try to bring light and levity and humor and good stuff to the world. So thank you for listening. And uh, we'll do a round so you'll be able to recognize who the other voices are. So as again, this is Steve Sherlock. And I'm Bill Wiley. I am Peter J. Alice Judge. Zenobia Carson. Susan Borey. And you heard the wondrous round. And we'll get started. With who wants to go first? Bill, I think you've got a couple for us today. I got, uh, I got a, a Christmas memory, which is, which is not a poem. <laughs> I call it uh, Memories of Christmas Past. I have fond memories as a little kid growing up in the 1950s. I come from a large family. My older brother, Bobby, my next older brother, Arthur, my next older sister, Susan, then me, then my younger sister, Donna, my younger brother, Philip. Five of us in all, not to mention a stillborn sister, Nancy Jean. My Aunt Wanda and Uncle Edgar would come for a visit at Christmas also, up from Connecticut, with their two children, Debbie and David. So this was the gang we had at Christmas for years. Plus, my grandma and grandpa would come for a visit. Yeah, my grandma Mary and grandpa Albert. I also remember... Many dogs in our house, Rusty, a red setter, and Ralph the dog. Two great dogs we had for years. Presents would pile up around the tree. I remember Grandpa handing out quarters to the kids. We kids loved getting quarters from him. Wrapping paper would fly everywhere, room full of paper. It was a wonderful time. We used to have some nice Thanksgiving dinners at my brother's Arthur's house when, when he lived in the area. Many happy memories were made, and it was a great time. I remember them well. I was starting get, to get into photography slowly when digital came around, and I was hooked for sure. We have lots of photos and, and slides to remember these times. Only three of us left nowadays, me, my younger sister Donna, and my older brother Arthur. We keep in touch on Facebook now. I still live in the family house today. I have friends that keep me happy. Good times and great memories will last forever. Mm. Thank you. That takes us back. I thought I'd, I'd nice. Read, I thought I'd you read that one. You came from a big family. Are they all living? I like I said, only three of us now. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I got a romantic one too. Go for it. Uh, this is called uh, "You Are the Melody, I Am the Words." Life is a song, together we belong. You are the melody, I am the words. Together our love will be heard. We dance together, we swing and sway. I will love you now and the rest of my days. My words flow out and swirl around the room. The melody from you will make a pretty tune. The violins will play and you and I will swing and sway. Let us share a beautiful kiss. Together we will have such bliss. The joy we create brings us closer together. 
we will make the world much better. In this wild and crazy world, I have the prettiest girl. I found my world of joy. I am a happy boy. You are such a beauty beyond compare with your beautiful face and long black hair. You are the melody. I am the words. Together, our love will always be heard. Mm-hmm. I think that can't, that's a good one, I think. And she, and she read it last night and she loved it. That, well, Great. if she loves Great. it, that's what counts. Yeah. Yes. I, I do write words. I love words. the way you're putting them in a book, uh, Bill. I love that. That's um, for posterity. I haven't done it yet, but... Well, she was going to have them in a, in a uh, binder of some yeah, kind. Yeah, she, she was yeah. going to make a book, yeah. Yep. I thought, you know, well, you like, know I, do write, I do write the words. <laughs> well, I'll go, I'll go next, uh, um, Steve. I am... Um, you know, uh, last month when you mentioned Christmas memories, uh, I remember Faith saying, oh, gee, that's kind of duller. And, boy, it sure was. I thought of that, too. I mean, it was dull. It was my brother and I and my mother and father. And um, I hosied the couch for the presidents, for the presents, and my brother has the overstuffed chair. But don't think that my brother had less presence than I, because that wasn't true. <laughs> but anyway, I know when I had, was married and had kids, and they were small, I I I really made an effort to have all the presents equal the same amount of money, mm-hmm. you know. And I still do that now, even. Even though my daughter says, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. But uh, she doesn't have to do it, but maybe I do. But anyway, uh, that was just a sidebar there. And uh, so I remember that we would uh, call from our rooms. Is it time yet? It's 2 (laughs) a.m. 3 a.m. Is it time yet? 4 a.m.? And so finally at 6 a.m., my parents, I just couldn't get back to sleep. So they said, okay. So we'd get up. And uh, so, you know, we always got more than we needed. We always got more uh, uh, presents than we needed. And uh, when I look back on it. And um, so anyway, um, I mean, it was very quiet uh, if you had small kids or even if you had kids period, you kind of stayed uh, in your own house for Christmas. I mean, when uh, when we were older, we did leave and oh, go over our friend's house to see what uh, morsels they had gotten, what goodies they had gotten. But uh, after we uh, wrapped the presents, I mean, my, I mean, unwrapped the presents, my mother was always taking care of the torn paper and stuff, making sure that there wasn't any tiny little things in the folds um, before she threw away the paper. So it was utter chaos in a place, you know, the living room was a mess. But um, then, uh, I mean, we would have cereal or whatever, and then, uh, you know, my mother would prepare dinner, which was mostly roast beef. We... We um, we loved, uh, apparently my father loved roast beef, I did also. 
And um, but so we, but uh, we almost had that every Sunday after church if we were to stay home. Anyway, then uh, so there were so many good smells, and uh, so then we were instructed to put our put all the presents neatly under the tree, lest somebody come and visit. And uh, so, but we always kept our treasured uh, certain something to play with. But um, so it was kind of uh, quiet and, and dull. But the thing that uh, I just came across, and I've seen it from time to time, is a black and white photo of me sitting on Santa's lap. Uh, I must have been five years old. And um, I was sitting on Santa's lap telling him, you could tell I was talking to him and he was listening intently. It was probably one of these stories like Macy's, which was Jordan's at that time and all that, and one of those. And I was telling him very, and he was listening very intently to what I wanted for Christmas. But what is worthy of note, it wasn't about me. What is worthy of note in the picture is not me sitting on Santa's lap, although that's absolutely charming, but it was my brother's face who was standing behind me waiting for his turn to sit on Santa's lap and uh, tell him what he wanted. The picture is amazing. The eyes on my brother, I mean, he could light up the sky forever. The absolute look of excitement on his face his eyes were glowing. You didn't have to have light in the room if you saw him. His eyes were glowing, absolutely glowing, at the prospect of talking to the big man, the big man about what he wanted to get for Christmas. And when he did, all my brother's dreams and excitement and, and wishes would come true. There, it was just it's just incredible every time I look at this picture, how absolutely wonderful that is. The eyes, the excitement in his eyes just blows me away. And I can't help but think somehow that picture, those eyes, that excitement is a metaphor for life. So I wish everyone that joy that passeth all understanding to everyone this Christmas. Have a wonderful Christmas holiday. That, 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 that reminds me of, of uh, the first time I saw Santa. I, I, I ran screaming. It was in uh, J.J. <laughs> J. Newberry's. Oh, used to be uptown. Well, you two, <laughs> two or three. You kind of get over that once it's three or four or five. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, see, you went to J.J. Newbury's. There yeah. was the issue right there. That was, an, <laughs> that was an ersatz Santa Claus. That was, he was a fill-in Santa. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't one of the, the official Mason, Macy's-endorsed Santa. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good memory, uh, Alice. I can just imagine seeing that picture and seeing your brother 
I was anticipating, instead of just the smile on his face and the excitement, he was kind of like antsy, chomping at the bit, kind of like, hurry up, hurry up, my turn, my turn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Susan, I think you've got something you want to introduce. Okay. Um, It's interesting what you've been talking about, because last night I was um, reading 1 Corinthians 13, and in that, Paul talks about when I was a child, right. <laughs> but then I became a man, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, so many of us want to stay childlike and keep thinking like children, at, at least, and, and have some childlike qualities. And I think what I'm sharing with you today has some of that, um, because it is a song lyric uh, I wrote. Um, so to speak, both the words and the music. Um, I don't write music, but this was one of the few song lyrics that came into my mind where it had melody with it. And so I haven't found a transcriber yet who can put those the, the melody down on paper. Someday I, I hope that will be done. But as a child, thinking like a child and about everybody wanting presents, presence and wondering what they were going to get or what they were going to give to somebody else, I thought about, what about God? What what can we give to him? And so, what can we give is the, the title of this song, and uh, Steve has graciously agreed to read it to you for me, because I'm legally blind and um, just can't read my own things well right now. Well, thank you for sharing, and I hope I do it justice. Without singing, I'll just read it. <laughs> <laughs> what Can We Give? Words and Music by Susan Borey. What can we give to you, loving Father? What can we give you this Christmas day? You gave us your Son. You gave us your Spirit. How, precious Father, will we ever repay? You gave us salvation that very first Christmas when the wisest of men welcomed our Savior's birth. Now we all share the joy and the gladness his first appearance brought to the earth. He gave us his own life so no one must perish. That heavenly, holy, most godly child, he died to bring peace, love, and forgiveness to a world where temptation went wild. You gave us your spirit to comfort and guide us. You gave us your love in the hearts of our friends. You promised to be with us now and forever till fears vanish and darkness ends. What can we give to you, loving Father? What can we give you this Christmas day? Minds that are pure, hearts that are open, courage to follow your righteous way. How wonderful. That's a beautiful that piece. That's beautiful. Oh, Susan, nice. thank you. You're that very welcome. Thank you, Steve. I can imagine that with, you know, a choir and the, the music behind yeah. it. Yes, yes. Oh, I yes. hope so. That is something I would just love to see happen. And because you know I love you all so very much and I feel very comfortable with you, I will just sing just a few lines so you know what the melody is like. What can we give to you, loving Father? 
What can we give you this Christmas day? You gave us your son. You gave us your spirit. How precious, Father, will we ever repay? So it does. <laughs> Wonderful. Very nice. Wow, amazing. Um, it does have a melody. Uh, I sense a new holiday standard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. We'll have to expand. We were talking about expanding writing opportunities. We're going to need to expand to musical opportunities, too, yes. I think. <laughs> yes. How does one decide that their writing will be a song rather than a poem or a story? When I, per when I first started writing poems, I sang them like music because I thought, I thought there were songs. Mm. Yeah. We, I'm not sure we got enough hours in the day to explore that question, yeah. Alice. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That 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 can go on for a long time. But no, it we'll is a table that for now. It's a very good question. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, clearly there are lyrical rhythms in what we write, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally there. I have a holiday piece written, in fact, this week for our newsletter. So oh, good. Entitled, Full-On Holiday Mode. Ready or not, it's here. Yep, it's here. It's all around us and expanding by the day. There were early signs in late October, commercials hinting at the coming holidays, well before Halloween. Get ready to get ready. We're watching Black Friday transform from a big bargain day after Turkey Day to a full-on sensational season of stupendously spectacular sales savings. Seriously, it's the mercantile engine that launches our holiday season with serious spending. There's more than one origin story for Black Friday. The mythology. Black Friday is about retail sales. After an entire year of operating at a loss in the red, Stores would supposedly earn a profit, or go into the black, on the day after Thanksgiving, with holiday shoppers spending heavily for Christmas gifts and decor. Yes, but no. In the 1950s, Philadelphia police coined the term to describe chaos on the day after Thanksgiving when hordes of suburban shoppers and tourists flooded into the city for the Army-Navy football game on Saturday, not only were police not able to take the day off, but they had to work long shifts coping with heavy crowds, heavy traffic. Shoplifting also spiked amidst large crowds of shoppers, hence Black Friday. In the 80s, retailers promoted the myth and opened their stores early at 6 a.m., then 5, 4 a.m., then 12 midnight. This year, the Black Friday savings juggernaut began online in early November. Too much too soon? I haven't even finished my Halloween candy yet. <laughs> Hence the conclusion, definitely too much too soon. <laughs> but I'm <fault. laughs> And Zenobia, you have something for us today? Uh, kind, yes, kind of on the same um, wavelength as everyone else. This is an ongoing thing that I read here in our senior building every year. I mess with it and take things out and put things in. But it's called the Santa Claus Chronicles. And it is kind of a tribute to my dad who 
love the whole Christmas atmosphere and especially that whole Santa Claus thing. My mother never agreed with the Santa Claus business. Later, she told me that she didn't think it was a good idea to lie to children on purpose and then tell them not to lie. But I don't think I cared very much when I found out the truth. During my six-year reign as an only child, before they gave birth to the dreaded Raymond, I played all my cards directly to my dad. Firstborn and a girl at that, I learned early on to throw certain conversations right to him, as if my mother, staring disapprovingly from another place in the room, was invisible. As much as I loved her, she did not cave in as easily to my whims as my father. Just give it to her, Minnie, was always his last resort when I whined and threw my (laughs) sad eyes his way for not getting my way. If you don't like it, just take a bite. Your mother cooked it especially for us. And because he said it, it made sudden sense. And I was always aglow, scarfing down the hated rutabaga (laughs) or the lima beans and boiled okra. Yuck. (laughs) Sometimes he bent to mother's will, but he stood firm on Santa Claus. I never had it as a child, he would explain to her. And she would say, neither did I. But we got along without all these things that you give her for no reason. I never knew quite what the problem was or what the spats were about. My little three and four-year-old mind knew a little about the gentleman with the white beard and red suit who showed up in Sears, I understood later, every year. And I was thrust upon his lap and asked to smile. Of course, who wouldn't smile at a gent who was surrounded by colorful boxes handing out candy canes and laughing so much with his jolly belly and asking what you wanted for Christmas. Wow, we hit the jackpot. Someone would snap a picture and you would go to the toy department where an endless array of toys shouted at you from the shelves. And my dad would linger in the doll department pointing, do you like her? Do you like her? Of course, I love them. I love them all with their Shirley Temple curls and their mouths drawn up like cherubs and the baby dolls. Oh, the layettes were just to die for with real diapers. Later on, as an adult, I would find out what real diapers were all about. But at that stage, I wanted them all. But daddy or dad or daddy, as I called him in those days, would say, You must pick out the one you love the best, and Santa will bring her to you, if you're good. Oh, very well, I would think. But if Santa was so observant, he would know that I was good and would bring me several dolls if he was smart. Between the Santa photo shoot and going home, my dad would disappear and catch up with us later. He and mother would exchange odd looks, and he would nod to her. I found out later uh, that he had gone through the toy department and grabbed and snatched as many things as he could, including the much-wanted doll, and thrown them all in the trunk. 
but that look made me wonder what they were up to. And when I learned later that this was what he had done, and I always asked mother, where's daddy? And she would say, probably in the tool department. It never occurred to me to wonder why he was in a completely different floor of the department store as we had just wandered through the toy department. Dad had grown up very poor and Christmas for him, an orphan back in the 1920s, was just another day. His grandmother tried, but she was old and ill by the time his mother died and could barely feed him, let alone buy toys or a lot of expensive gifts. In those days, maybe nobody could. Sometimes benevolent people from their church came and brought apples, oranges, and pecans, and his grandmother would bake something special. But for him, Christmas was of little significance. He decided early on that if he ever had children, he would lavish everything on them, and he did his best to keep that promise. Christmas morning for me, before the dreaded Raymond, was like a miniature fairyland. My three uncles were in the service overseas and sent dolls from everywhere. They were stationed. I had a dollhouse, a Cinderella watch, and each year, whatever popular doll was in style. I add to my Christmas Chronicle every year and my Santa Claus Chronicle for this year will go even longer. Next time we'll talk about a Santa on every corner and we don't have a fireplace. So how does he get in? <laughs> the endless question. <laughs> my father would uh, uh, bring dolls when, when he was in when, it, when he was in the in uh, World War Two, and he was in in Japan mm-hmm. in 1945, and he he has he has uh, stuff he brought home from Japan. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. I've got a couple of short ones from the archives with small stories, and then a work in process. I think people have heard that uh, we moved recently so the move took a little bit of time away from writing so it's it's interesting too i also found one in the archives that um it was like oh really it was that long ago i said that oh okay (laughs) we'd been preparing for the move and my wife was uh, advocating for a dumpster she finally got one for her birthday this october but it turns out in the archives shame on me I had once committed in Christmas in 2021 to give her a dumpster. And I've got the literal proof right here. <laughs> oh. So, a shirku, dumpster. Your wish will come true. When it gets warm, we'll do the deed and toss what we don't need. That was two years ago, and it finally came true. So, they're, they're, they're you know, Great. time lapse. <clears throat> also from the archive, at one point, I was fortunate to be part of Uh, an internet web group called the Joyful Jubilant Learners. And there were two ladies from Australia. Uh, And yes, we did almost span the globe. We had people from Europe and different countries, a lot from the U.S., Hawaii, and a couple from Australia joined us. And the key was we would share writings like we're doing here, except we weren't the Zoom and this kind of technology didn't exist back then. So we would literally share the writing by posting to a blog 
one person would do the editing, and then we would, you know, respond. You would have long threads of conversations because, like we're here, one memory sparks something, and then people would go, well, and oh, I did this, I did this. They were wonderful conversations. Now they're all in the Internet Archive. But <clears throat> So I did a limerick. There are two ladies from Australia who have some good ideas to persuade you to save your Christmas sanity and avoid ho- holiday calamity. Go visit their site without delay you. Now, unfortunately, their site is no longer <laughs> online. <laughs> but the point was good. <laughs> and the piece... The, the longer piece is a work in process, uh, as, as you've been listening. I generally have been doing two-parters. So this is the first part, still holiday-focused, but holiday also gives us times of reflection, especially as we're coming into the end of the year, the darkness, the light, et cetera, et cetera. So concept, and this is a work in process, treasure the moment. So it also ties back. It's one of the things that we had started having a discussion around what are the lessons we want to pass on. This would be one of those entry points for Uh a lesson to pass on. Part one, Thanksgiving weekend, 40 years have passed since you left us, yet you continue watching over us, reminding us to treasure the moment. Here today, this house is empty, ready for some other family to enjoy daily life, and their celebrations creating new memories to treasure the moment. There are chairs to add to the circle in the living room of the new house, where conversation ebbs and flows and games are played to treasure the moment. Someone remarks of a time when, and we all go there, transported instantly. The thread meanders as the sparks fly, triggering other treasures of the moment. The baby is passed around. Everyone gets their turn going and eyeing. Baby talk is a universal language in that time before words to treasure the moment. The family tree continues to grow. Some branches end, others expand. A cousin and aunt collaboration brings forth an updated document to treasure the moment. So I'll have to leave you there. Part two is to come. You'll get it here first, (laughs) but it's not ready yet. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Very nice. Very. Very nice. Very nice. Are you enjoying the house? New house. Now that it's getting settled, yes, and there's less boxes around, yes. <laughs> it takes a little while to really feel like you're there, there. Yes. Right? Yeah. There's it, being there, and then there's being like there, 10 there. Or 12 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not that long, but, you know, as, as you heard, we're already starting in the new house to start yeah. building those memories again to build some new uh, items to share in the future. Yes. I sort of look at the phenomenon in part as the Zen of a new home. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Zen state is sort of this automatic existence where you don't have to think because you're there. Right. Like breathing, like walking, whatever. Correct. We don't think about it. We just do these things. Yeah. And so the Zen of a new home is when you get to walk around in the rooms and the corridors and you know you're home. Yes. So that was a good healthy round of a variety of... Areas along that kind of common theme 
of, you know, holidays and reflections and goodness and all kinds of goodness for sure. Thank you all for sharing. And for the listeners, we hope you enjoyed that. And we hope that you'll come back. And if you have the urge to write and would like to join us in that effort, please, please do so. Consider it. We do have this Zoom option and you can, wherever you are, join us virtually. And uh, we welcome that. Thanks for being with us here on Senior Story Hour. Until the next time, I'm Peter Jay. Remember, be they laced with gravity, levity, wisdom, or whimsy, the meaning, experiences of life become a little larger when you share them, when you take a moment to commit pen to paper and just write. This is FPR, Franklin Public Radio.